This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. It's Tuesday night and you're listening to Radio City Talk and we are the Fight Disciples. What a week we have had in terms of Merseyside Boxing. The last seven days, we've had so many fight announcements. It's absolutely bonkers. Of course, the biggest story of them all is potentially Amir Khan making his long-awaited debut back on UK soil. It's going to happen here. It's happening in Liverpool this year. There's going to be an undercard, I'm sure, laced with local talent. Uh, More details to come, certainly later in the show. I'll be chatting about that. Uh, Probably in part two, part three, with with tonight's guest and... Before I introduce him, first of all, I've got to say, it's glad that you made it, Jazz. Bearing in mind that this morning, of course, you uh, ran out of petrol on your morning run with Derry Matthews. The world got to see it. Derry was streaming it on his phone. So I'm glad that you put some petrol in your tank and made it to the studio tonight. I am, of course, talking to the man himself, Jazza Dickens. Welcome to the studio. Thank you for having me, Nick. Yeah, we went run this morning with Derry, six o'clock in the morning, on the way home. Yeah, my car ran out of petrol, so Derry's here. had to take me down to get some petrol and he's following me everywhere with his phone so it's all over his Instagram story so go on his Instagram and check it out you deserve it you deserve it really what happened there then did you did you know you had no petrol in you just thought you'd chance it <laughs> you were late for your run weren't you you got up late and you were late getting there I'm, I'm not a person who, um, who just says I'll do it tomorrow I'll do it tomorrow training and boxing is the only thing that I'll do now so everything I do I'll say I'll do that later I'll do that tomorrow I'll get on that tomorrow so this time it caught up at me. So at least I know the positives. I know my car can go minus 30 miles without petrol. <laughs> Brilliant. You were there. Obviously, it was freezing cold this morning. Bit of hail. Pitch black when you when you first got to Wavertree Track. Quite concerned to see you were the only one out this morning. Yeah. You know, let's let's call out some names here. Where yeah. was Sam Maxmel? Where was JJ Metcalf? Where was, you know, the, the big uh, cruiserweight? Under the bus where we just run them, I'd say. <laughs> it was cold this morning. It was hailstones. Um, That's no excuse, Jazz. You were there. Yeah, I was there. You were putting the work, the work in. I must have been shy because not one of them hit me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, uh, obviously, anyone that follows you on Instagram and follows your career knows that uh, when, it, when it comes to committed and, and serious athletes, you know, guys that take their careers 100% serious, there's, there's few around, certainly around this neck of the woods, that take it as serious as you. When you're getting up, though, you know, to, to a layman like me, obviously, I'm a, I'm a fight fan, I'm a, I'm a work in this industry, I know what it takes to get to the top, but I think for most fans who buy a ticket, who come and watch your fights, when you're getting up at half past five in the morning and, and you know the kids are still in bed or even you've been up with the kids during the night and you look outside, it's pitch black, there's hailstones coming down. You know, it, it takes a certain type of individual to motivate themselves to get up and go on that run. Yeah, I think um, if you're going to choose to live that life, you have to enjoy it. You have to find a way to enjoy it. So I think you have to reprogram yourself to actually enjoy this life. If you're going to live it, you have to enjoy it. There's no point being unhappy. So that's what I do. I enjoy it. I, I run in, in the dark streets, cold, wet, raining, and I enjoy it. That I, I've, I've been doing it for years since I was like 13. I've never had more than a week off since I've been that young, and that's how long I've been doing it. So... Now that is my life. There's nothing else. I'm like one of them brushing kids who get get forced to labour at 13. But <laughs> forced them by yourself. Yeah. So that's that's just my life. Now I want to enjoy it every minute of it. So I make sure to do. If it's if it's cold, dark, and wet, I see the positives. I say no one else is doing this. So it's is that kind of the mentality? Is it? It's like I'm doing this. Is it because 
you're fearful that your opponent's doing the same thing or doing less, that you're next, you've got to kind of mentally train yourself. I'm putting the work in. I'm doing it at 6 o'clock in the morning when it's pitch black in the sleep because I want to prove to myself that I've got it. Is that something you take into a fight? Is it that, that confidence where you're like, I know I've put the work in. I've been there when this guy was probably still in bed. Yeah, any fighter knows when they head into the ring that if they haven't done everything that they can, that'll that'll be playing on them. Walk into the ring, even at that point in changing room, putting your bandage on, you're going through it all. You don't want to get to that changing dressing room and think, he's done more than me. It's not, it's, it wouldn't be, a, I can imagine it wouldn't be a nice place to be. You know, I've never got to that place, but I've heard fighters talk about like how, how he wasn't confident and, and he didn't do what he should have and stuff like that. And I wouldn't like to be in that mind frame. And I've only got one career, I know that. Yeah. But whilst I'm young, I'm going to use my youth on something that means something to me and I'm going to give it me all. So I have to um, do everything I can and more. So say like, I could run, I could run six miles, but I see it as he can run six miles too. If yeah. I run six miles in a cold dark morning, maybe that's one for me. Little game of little tiny advantages. So that's that's how I try and play it. Yeah. I remember speaking to you a couple of years ago when you were one. Because obviously you live right in the city centre. Well, you live spitting distance from Derry's gym. We'll come on to Derry's gym later in the show. But um, you used to say to me that you used to love going out running uh, on a Saturday night at like two o'clock in the morning when everyone's falling out the pubs and the bars. And you used to love running through town then because again it gave you that sense of I'm sacrificing. What these people are, you know, people are living for the weekend. I, I live to train, you know. Do you still do that? Do you still kind yeah, of go yeah, out of a night? That's still in my frame since day one. That's the way I've, I've kept it. I, I think, um, and unless that would be, and would be less than hundred percent for me now. I've set the bar so, so high for myself. I have to say, not hard. Anything less, I don't. I don't feel like that. I would be giving it me all, and I wouldn't like to do boxing if I weren't giving it me all. Yeah, do you still love it. Yeah, love still it love boxing. Than... You've done this since yeah. you were, you know, knee eye to a grasshopper. So. Yeah, well, um, I've never, I've never not loved it, but recently since making the move, I have gone to Derry's gym training with Georgie Vaughan. I've, I've found my spark again and just really, really enjoying it. I think that's what I needed. Yeah, that, that, that's what it was. I needed, and now I've, I've got it again. I'm, I'm happy. The other night I couldn't sleep. We was, we was on the, um, on the hills at six a.m. in the morning, and I was up at three o'clock in the morning with, on, like butterflies, just thinking, I can't wait to get in the gym. I want to be in the gym. I can't sleep thinking about it. So maybe I don't. Maybe that's just my enjoyment in life. Maybe I've, I've forced myself into it that much. That that is my enjoyment. That's my pleasure. That's your passion. Yeah, exactly. Isn't it funny that you know, the, the year you know you're coming off obviously the the toughest year, toughest eighteen months of your career inside the ring, outside of it, and you know I'm sure you you went through all all manner of uh, ideas and what to do next with your career, and the solution you found it what. 50 yards from your front door? Yeah, crazy. Went to Miami, didn't I? Went to Miami to have a look. I went to Puerto Ventura, went to Marbella, um, and ended up in the youth club where I grew up. That's where the gym is now, in the youth club, over there over my house, and on top of my old school. And I'm so happy in there. I can't, can't explain. I feel like I've gone back to my roots. I feel like I'm going to live back in my dad's again, just because just because <laughs> it feels right, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's good. It's my family living there. I can see my family's house from, from the gym window. It's just like I've gone back to my roots and I'm enjoying it. I yeah. feel like a kid again. As I was saying there, I couldn't sleep in the night and stuff like that. So, so, so happy in the gym. But um, throughout the last 18 months, over, I've been, it's been a tough time. I've had two losses. I'm mm-hmm. now, like two losses on the bounce as well. I, I can shake a fighter's confidence. I have to, I have to get, get back to where I want to be. That's on the world stage starting. But I've also had to accept where I am right now. Yeah. And that's, Getting this British title back, I got told that you're not going to fight for the British title. 
when I got the call, I thought, what now? What, what else is he now? But I said to myself, no, you know, be positive. You've got it. You've, you've just got to do it. You've got it. There's no, there's no putting your head down. And then I kept my head up, kept, kept plugging away, plugging away. And then all of a sudden now I've got, got the call back off my manager tonight. You're fighting for the British title. So it's been like a long six months just fight, just trying to get this British title fight. And all of a sudden I've got two fights coming up yeah. on the bounce. So you have um, you know, like uh, as you would say, mountains and valleys. You know, nothing grows on top of a mountain. They're just there to be enjoyed. When you get to the peak, enjoy it. And that's what I do now. When I get up there, I enjoy it to the best, best I can. I soak every bit of goodness out of it. Yeah. And when I go back down, that's when I do my learning. Do you look back now at all on the on the last eighteen months? Obviously, the Rogando fight came in for you. Um, it, it was a fight that you know not a lot of people give you much chance for. And we spoke to you beforehand. You know, at the time, he was being ranked one of the pound for pound best boxers on the planet. But do you do you look back on now? Obviously, you're going to be frustrated with your performance, or certainly what happened in the fight. But do you think that led to the loss against Thomas Ward? Did you carry some of that weight into the into the, the title fight with Ward, the British title fight? Do you think? Yeah, well, I hadn't thought that I, I was out for um, six months without even sparring. Gets back into sparring, and um, then get to fight a few few months after that without a warm up fight or nothing like that. Yeah. So, I think um, maybe that could have played a bit of the inactivity plays a part in in it. I was a very yeah, if you seen the fight, it was a very slow start. Slow started very slow. So yeah. Um, next fight with Ward, and I've got to rematch with Ward. I'll start faster and I'll I'll put it on him earlier. He was go- he was going later on in the, in the fight, and not and I'll start where the fight finished the next time. Of course, you talk about the rematch with Ward, the British Boxing Board of Control. In case you don't listen to this and you weren't aware, they've ordered the rematch with Thomas Ward, who's the obviously the current British Superman bantamweight champion. Took that belt off Jazza. Uh, Pierce bids on Valentine's Day, actually February the fourteenth. So we should know by then where we're going. In the meantime, though, you, you've got a warm up fight coming up. Is it March the second? Yeah, fighting uh, Friday March the second in Manchester Bowlers Arena on a good bill as well. A few scouts on that, but I think there's more scouts on the bill than there is people in Manchester, so <laughs> it's good bill. Um, a lot of support so far coming down to see me. Um, good warm up fight and get back in there. Tight title mix. That's that's what I'm looking forward to. Big big year in 2018. Yeah, I've learned so many lessons. I've got myself stable now in a good. Good, good environment, happy place. Got my family at home, got my support, and I'm happy and ready to push on again. I'm really enjoying boxing. In terms of the last eighteen months, from a from a fan perspective, have you seen any negativity? You know, a lot of fighters will say, you know, once you suffer a loss or two, you find out who your real friends are. You know, I I I, I envisage you though, Jazz. You're someone like he's quite a tight inner circle anyway, though. Yeah, I've always had a tight inner circle, and um, probably a bit. I wouldn't put myself out there to be vulnerable to get eight of them people anyway. I've got, I have got good support by me. Like, I lost with a world title with a broken jaw. I've had my sponsors, every sponsor I've had has stuck by me. I have yeah. four, four for the business title, one fight I've had in 18 months. My sponsors stuck by me. I've got good people around me and I wouldn't let them good people into my circle in the first place if it didn't, if it didn't know what he was. Yeah. So to get into my life, you have to have interrogation. Of <laughs> good. I have to interrogate you before I get to know you. Good. Let's name check some of your sponsors then. Come on, this is your opportunity. Give them a quick thanks. My sponsors are Steve Irwin. He's from the barbershop, that's his business. He's stuck by me. He's too, you know, taking ten. He really has looked after me um, sponsorship-wise. He's a good friend, also became a good friend over the last 18 months. Um, the lads at the gym in peak performance, they look after me, new, um, not my strength and condition. I yeah. do like to crossfit and things like that. Crossfit's quite good. It's, um, if you put it around the boxing side of things, you can, you can really... 
be have team specific no like 12 trees sort of thing you can work right. around that so that's good for that because a lot of athletes are scared of crossfit because you know they say it's still surefire way to get injured yeah. but you know there's more there seems to be an increasing number of boxers and fighters in particular yeah. that are using crossfit gyms just because yeah. of the you know the explosive nature of crossfit yeah but yeah you, you can't get it in there can't you throw 200 kilo on a, on a bar going and squat that like everyone else but the, the lad who's um, he does the crossfit he was a boxer himself so he's on to be he'll put you through a program which is for the boxer it's yeah. light it's a uh, lighter weight but more reps and more fitness i've also got my nutrition side of it who look after me that um biggie's nutrition they've they've been sponsoring me the same length of time great um, i've also got the cryotherapy chamber um it's called cryotherapy liverpool up yeah. in Aintree. that's great um, for people to go in there and people say is it what is it is it a myth because i can you stand in that for three minutes and i feel better it's only three minutes but it's freezing cold i done a marathon and um i said is this a myth i'm gonna go in there and have a look so i tried to squat i couldn't squat before i went in there and when i came out i could squat so i knew i knew my legs i knew it wasn't a myth anymore i've also so got um me massage therapist which is jimmy and yeah, got a lot of people. Sporting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know what? Very, it just makes all the difference. That's what I mean, and that's why I wanted you to name check your sponsors there because you know people don't understand. People see the glitz and the glamour of professional boxing, and the yeah. uh, you know they see the walk out live on TV with the dazzling shorts on, the fancy music, and everyone singing and dancing, enjoying themselves. Uh, and they presume boxers live yeah. the, these incredible lifestyles. But as you've proved over the last twelve months, you've had one fight without the support of sponsors like that. Yeah. You wouldn't have been able yeah. to to, no. to train the way you are. Yeah, they've allowed me to train three times a day, not to go to not, not to go to work. I'm not sure I'm going to work, but I want to be the best athlete athlete I can. And that's not like a business opportunity talking about this. This is me giving my gratitude back to them people who have helped me and yeah. massive thank you to them. And also to the people who are still watching me and want me to progress and say when's your next fight become the next fight then people who buy and tickets as well that yeah. wouldn't, also wouldn't be possible without them absolutely I think people realise though certainly from this city people who have followed your career right through the amateurs and you know right from the Golden Gloves days and everything else I think we know that you're a special talent and we know that you've got far more in you that, and that's, this is no slight on the British title it'll be incredible if you become a two time yeah. British champion but we're obviously thinking bigger than that. Let's not forget you were number one contender for the European title before you decided yeah. to take on the Rogondo opportunity. So, you know, you yourself must have high expectations, much higher than retaining just the Lonsdale belt. Yeah, I, every every single morning, the first thing I think about is being a world champion. When I wake up, I think about how am I going to say now today? How am I going to make it happen? That's what I do every single day. I push myself. And uh, but last time I had the British title, I didn't appreciate it as enough as I should have. And yeah. that's one thing I did realise. Not because I don't, because I've set my standards now. Now I've, I've done it because I haven't. I've, I've done nothing to what I wanted to do in my life in my career. So last time I had it, it was just like I was. It, I was rolling it up, putting it in like a bag. People like taking yeah. it to. To show people, people want to see it. People holding this belt, like, ah, oh, it's a precious belt, but I'm looking at it. You're throwing say, it in the back, boot of the car. Yeah, it's not my world title. That's what, that's how I'm thinking. But I think next time I get my hands on it, I'm going to appreciate it more. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a massive achievement and for the kids to look back on and stuff like that. It's great for the photos and stuff like that. What? I should have appreciated it more, but also I will not stop and I won't be satisfied until I do get a world title of course listen of all the belts out there don't don't get me wrong I think most most boxers dream of the WBC the ring magazine belt you know any world title really but for me the best looking belt in all of boxing is the Lonsdale belt anyway it's absolutely beautiful it's a work of art so whenever I've seen fighters around and you do get like that I think because 
because it means you're the best in the nation. Yeah. You kind of take it because your expectations aren't to be. You don't want to end your career and go, well, I was the best in Britain yeah. for that period of time. You want to go, I was the best in the world at that yeah. period of time. And I think that's why it gets undervalued. But yeah. it's only after your career when you look back, you go, wow. Yeah, yeah. You take a step back and you see what it really was. I've had three losses in 25 fights. Two of them was for a British title. Mm. One was for a world title. That's is like... In my career, that's that's it's a lot, isn't it? Two two losses on a British title, and I've had four fights on a British title, so it's a um, it's a massive achievement. And I think a lot of fighters will do anything to get their hands on it. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, uh, we'll have to end this part there. Coming up in part two, obviously, I'm going to speak to Jazza much more about this British title fight that's coming up. I'm um, also going to ask him whether he still lives in the loft when he's in fight camp, uh, and also about this. Obviously, you teased us there about going over to Miami. Want to know a bit more about all that? Plus, later on in the show, we're going to be talking about this big Amir Khan card that's coming to the Echo Arena, as well as big fight dates for the likes of Callum Smith, Tony Bellew, and what was announced this week, Masha Dodd with his Commonwealth title defence against Tommy Coyle. Stick with us, you're listening to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Welcome back to Fight Disciples here on Radio City Talk. If you're just joining me, I'm in studio with the one and only Jazza Dickens, who has, listen, he's got a smile on his face, he's happy as laddie. We're putting the last 18 months behind us, Jazz. We're moving forwards. Um, I want to obviously ask you about Derry's gym and, and settling in there and obviously working with working with Georgie Vaughan. But first and foremost, you know, you told us in part one, you'd been out to MTK in Marbella, you'd been out to um, the uh, to Miami and trained out there, and you'd also been out to Fort Aventura to the Ingalls gym. Yep. Um, was that basically just to have a little taste to see if you you would settle in any of them places? It, it was like an um, elimination process to find out what I don't want yeah. so I can find out what actually what I do want, to, want to... I like your style though just go to three absolutely sunny climates you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, there, there was not... no like going up to Glasgow or anything <laughs> was there it's like yeah. if I'm going to move I'm going to go somewhere nice <laughs> yeah so it was like an elimination process I wanted to find out where I didn't want to be so so I definitely knew I was in the right place when I landed Yeah, and it turns out that uh, it was around my doorstep I, got, I, I went there first but I wanted to know I did like the gym but I wanted, I wanted to see what, what else was out there for me of course and, and when I made my decision it was a decision I was happy with because now I know what is out there mm-hmm. I said um, I like the look of a coach called Jorge Rubio in uh, Miami yeah. and, and um, I messaged him and he said yeah come over and I told him Christ, did Rubio didn't he work with David Hay for one of his fights I, I, think we with, I think we worked with Hay out in Miami at one stage. Did he? Yeah, yeah. I know Hay was in the, I went to the 50 gym too there where David Hay went to. I know Jorge Rubio, he trains Luke Campbell. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I went there with him, he said, come over, and I thought, well, he, when I, when I uh, had a list to people who uh, wanted to ch- like check out, he was at the top of it, and he said, so the first person I went to was him. Yeah. And it went for me. I, I had a good I had a good try out there, it was good. And it went for Where me. was that, sorry? That was in Miami? That was in Miami, yeah. yeah. So then I went to, after I went to, um, well, I went indoors because the hurricane came, didn't it? And then after the hurricane went, I um, stopped crying, and then I went to um, <laughs> the 50 gym. So it was a nice little experience there too. That was a good gym. I liked it there. They were talking about fights and stuff like that, fighting out there, but um, it didn't didn't materialise, and I thought it, you know it's not for me. Yeah. And then um, so at this stage, were you looking at actually taking the family and moving out there, lock, stock, and battle, or you think about just going like you know going out there and just doing camps? I was looking on leaving the family. <laughs> I was looking on leaving them. There's no family when it comes to boxing, so um, I was looking on setting up a. If it went right, I was look. What I was looking on, my family, um, they live boxing with me, 
I'm lo- very, very lucky. They love boxing with me, so I was looking along setting myself up wherever was best for me. It turns out I set myself up where's best it's for me kids as well, which is I'm very lucky really. Yeah. I always I always um try and try and take opportunities where I think that there could be something like it's just try and follow God's will sort of thing. And when I went over there I was just like um seeing what was what was out there. Of course, what was available. And of then course. I came home and then um I went over to Spain. I spent a week with Farag, he lives in Spain now. I spent a week out there sparring with John O'Carroll. It was a good good little camp. And was uh, that was that was that before the uh, the Quigley fight? Were you sparring? No, with no, him? no. Was I was after? sparring Quigley for this fight, weren't I? Oh, was he? Yes, yeah. yeah. flip camps. Uh, yeah. I like it. So um I done a week sparring with him and then I came home. So that must have been tempting because there's good you know, similar lads of your size, good sparring over there, good climate. Obviously Farag's over there already. Yeah, you know Danny Vaughan is there all the time in and out of that place. Yeah. So, yeah, they got a great camp, but as I say, it it, it didn't suit me. It didn't. Uh, it not because it's wrong for anyone else, but for me, it just didn't um, perfect for me. Didn't, and then went to um, Fort Ventura. That was a great place as well. Oh, um, so I that, actually that's the Ingle Gym, is it? Where like yeah. I think Kel Brook, Billy Joe Saunders are out there at the moment. Yeah. Tyson Fury. I went over there. there. Um, not by choice. I got asked. Um, Lee Selby asked me. He's he's fighting for his world title. He's fighting in South Paul. He said, "Would you like to come out and spar?" So when I went over there, I thought it'll be optimistic. See what's about, and it was a great place. I liked it over there. And then I came home, and I said, "No, I've had to look around. I know where I want to be now." I'm yeah. gonna. And he asked Terry, "Do you want to sign me? Do you want to win this business title?" And he said, "Of course." And and we I've been in the gym since. And then and then I didn't really know. Um, I would enjoy Georgie. Georgie Vaughan and Joe McNally so much. I just asked Derry and, yeah. and now I'm in the gym with the three of them every day. It's great. As well as surrounded by a, 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 a positive gang of lads. No, we were all going to be fighting for titles. It's a, it's a gym that's like thriving, really. Of course. Every, everyone's at, coming up to tit, title level. Jay McCarthy's going to be fighting for the British team. Yeah. David Price. Um, we've got Craig Glover and Super Sam Maxwell. just waiting to be let off the leash Super really? Sam yeah waiting listen I'm going to ask you about George I want to I want to get a bit more information there but I can't let it go Jazz I'm going to have to go back to Miami we're going to have to talk about this <laughs> getting stuck in the hurricane now I heard you were sobbing like a baby sitting in a bathtub is that true or <laughs> yeah sitting in an empty bathtub when I stopped crying the water was supposed to be there <laughs> <laughs> what was that like as an experience it was scary it was really scary yeah. Scary so, just, yeah. t- just talk us through it what, did you were you at the gym did you get a weather warning did you get told to go back to the hotel or oh, so when I arrived to get off the plane and um, get in a yellow taxi I'm driving through, through all these. It's it's not, it's rough, and you think it's gonna be nice nice Miami down the beach. There's only one beach, once nice, and then the rest of it's dead rough. So I'm driving through, so we get to this uh, in this little moody area in the ghetto. <laughs> <laughs> so we go to this hotel, and the fella says, "No, we don't don't know yet." So I'm so I'm in this I'm in this deep suitcase thinking, "What am I doing?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm standing in the ghetto with this thirty kilo suitcase on me, sweating, <laughs> probably sweating, and um. I ended up getting to the place, so it was. I've got nowhere to stay, so we ended up in like going from hostel to hostel in what between the gyms. Who, did, who booked your hotel? No one. Just, oh right, oh, yeah. you just I went just, there and thought. I just, I just, yeah, just well, rocked up. I just thought I was going to turn up like Rocky and um, <laughs> and Rocky T. Nobody lies in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like Paulie sleeping with the with the echo over me. Screaming <laughs> <laughs> the window. Be quiet, you bums! We're trying to sleep up here. That's hilarious. So we, um, yeah, we're from Hostel to Hostel, and then the hurricane came. 
well, it's in the news that there's Hurricane might be coming, mm-hmm. and so it's a bad one. <laughs> and, um, so I didn't know anyone. So so I was in this hostel, and it's saying that it's coming upstate on Miami Beach, where I was staying in this hotel hostel at the time. So at this point, have you even been to the gym yet? Have you done and safe? Yeah, 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 I've yeah, done yeah. A few so, days, yeah. Of course, but you days, don't know anyone you? well enough to be like, you know, no, what's happening here? No, because I haven't stayed in the same place more than one night. You know, so right. I'm just <laughs> so I'm just walking around, just like a vagrant, basically <laughs> sweating with these, this big massive rucksack. <laughs> so um. The hurricane was supposed to come right up Miami Beach. On the on the news, it said it's coming right up Miami Beach where you're staying. Everything will be flooded. Like you just, and, you, and at this point, you're basically <laughs> homeless. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm gonna die. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, so on the last day before, I tried to get a train to New York. I said I'll finish my trip in New York. Yeah, yeah. And I'll get some good sparring out there. Yeah. You can't get a train out of there. All the airports are shut. You can't get out. So so the hurricane's coming too fast. Everything just shuts down. Right. People start boarding the houses up. So you're asking people what's going to happen here? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna survive. And they're not even giving you the an answer, they're just saying I don't know. Because there was a bad one in ninety one and it hasn't been and this was supposed to be worse. So um so I told so you're like, me, like literally writing your last will and testament and yeah, so I'm phoning the home. kids and yeah. telling them you loved them and everything. Yeah, I'm on FaceTime to the kids, um, getting emotional and all that. So I um I lash everything. I get one little bag as it um a little bag with me. Carries a few changes of clothing, me money and me phone and my passport. So um I thrown everything. I threw me box. <laughs> oh my god! I threw me boxing gear. I was really crying looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember looking at me and Carson and turning in this locker thinking oh. <laughs> so, um, so I was I was about to leave the hostel but he had no Wi-Fi when I left. So I said so I was, I was just gonna head north. I was just gonna I was what, just what, what's your plan here? Like what? My plan in my it's head like, like is walking dead this like <laughs> from walking I was, dead. I was like John Snow out of game and throws, <laughs> I was just gonna head north. So I get me here um, my stuff all together, I've got my little bag, I texted me bear before before I left, I said, right, I'm going to leave now. I love you. Uh, if, if it's only see you don't be moving a big big fella in two weeks. So, so she said, hang on before you go. Don't don't leave the Wi-Fi zone yet. Don't go. Yeah. Let me, your dad wants to message you. Um, your dad Say said goodbye. Like, so, yeah, he, wants, <laughs> <laughs> he wants to know if he can have me tradies. If it's like. <laughs> so, so I... Um, Got a text text off my dad. He'd been there a few months earlier and met this fella who lived in the, in the nice part, and right. he had like this big, unbelievable apartment. So we said to my dad that I can stay in his place, and it was um, hurricane proof. But you don't know because they've never it's never been tested. But of I can stay in his place. So it ends up getting touch with this fella. He put me in this uh, in his place, but he left to. Um, he went to Vegas. <laughs> I he got out of there quick. Why is he leaving? I was yeah. him going, I was You're all right here, mate. It's all a crane proof, but uh, I'm getting off. <laughs> That's what he does. So, so I looked after his cat. He had a cat. The cat was, <laughs> the cat was 21. Really, 21 it was. I've never seen a cat like it. I hated it. <laughs> I hated his cat. So, um, that was it. So, then when the other cane came, went, he came back. Um, so, when the hurricane, when you were in like the eye of the storm. Yeah. It's just you and this cat in this bathtub in this yeah, hurricane-proof apartment or whatever the, it was. The wind on, on the thing, on the shutters, but, but it ends up missing, then it ends up going south. Oh, did it? it yeah, yeah it, it went, just like, it just touched it, did it? It ends up heading south, but the wind was still mad. It was like, I thought that it was going to penetrate the shutters and the glass. It was that bad, was it? And then what what's going on here? We're lucky, we're lucky that it didn't, it didn't, because the wind that, that did miss was still, was strong still enough. bad, yeah. Wow. And uh, when it came out the next day, there was big, massive trees on the ground, uh, uprooted from the concrete floor and everything. It was just 
powerful wins, um, but everyone was lucky really. But um, then after that, I went back to Miami Beach, the last same hostel, and then went to the fifty gym, which was like twenty minutes walk from there. Yeah. So I went there for a few days. That was a good experience. And then came home. I was glad to be home. I, and I've never been so grateful to be home as well. Not to see my kids and my family. Of course. And what, what I did learn, like lessons over there, was more than anything I could have learned for boxing. It was like how grateful and how, how much I took life for granted and stuff like that. Yeah. And then when I got home, I was just so happy to be with my family. Maybe I've slipped back into that bit of un- ungratefulness now, but I try and remind myself from time to time how, how much... I wanted one last day with my family. When, when like, the, you think money means nothing, materialistic things mean nothing. All you ever want is one last day with your loved ones. That's all that matters to me now. Of course, when you, because when you were in, you know, there must, there was obviously a moment there where you were thinking, wait a minute, I'm in a catch twenty two here. I'm kind of stuck. I've got nowhere to stay, nowhere to hide. Yeah. They're, t- they're saying this storm's going to be one of the worst, you know, worse than it was years ago when loads of people died. Yeah. What a strange experience Crazy. to go through. No wonder you don't want to be based in Miami. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Come on, mate. Yeah, forget Miami. That's out. That's gone. <laughs> you don't get weather like this. Yeah, so it was just um, lucky and grateful to get to get that experience. What really, was Fisty Jim like? What was it like training there? Oh, Obviously, was, the, the history involved. Yeah, there, of course. it was just for, like you, you train the same gym as Sugar A. You, you know what I mean? It was great. I got some good sparring there with the Cuban fella. He was a good Cuban. Apparently, he was the most decorated Cuban junior. He was a good fighter. He was heavier than me. Um, there was a lot heavier than me. I think he had a bar of stone on me. They asked wow. me. They asked me. I said, "Can we get any sparring?" And the coach said, "Do you want to spar him?" He, I think he was trying to test me to see what what, what I'd say because he was a big, bigger fella than me. Did he, did he know you? Did he know that you'd fought Rogondo? Did he, did yeah, he know you? Because he's yeah. Cuban, any they all know. Yeah, yeah. So a few people were saying to me when I was over there, "I know your face." I was saying nothing because I lost. Yeah. <laughs> Should have went like that. Moved your jaw to the side. Do you yeah. know me now? <laughs> Do you recognise me now? You might not realise me. My jaw's straight here. Try it over there. <laughs> yeah, so we used to, um, they were all nice with me in that because because of that fight and um, the lad, uh, the sparring went well. And after that, I, people told, people took interest then after the sparring because he was a good lad. Course. He was a good fighter. So after that, he showed a lot of interest and then he was talking about he wanted. Me, Get me back over for fights and stuff like that. Yeah, I spoke to you briefly with my manager, but it didn't really materialise. No, but I think it's hard for any British fighter to be based out of the US. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Johnny Quigley, you know, similar way to you, tried it for a while, yeah. and it, it, it's so tough because you know, just like just like here, at you know, when certainly at domestic level stage, when you're onto world stage, when the likes of Amir Khan, different, you know, Luke Campbell, different, you know, you, you kind of jump in at a certain level. When you're rung below that, you've got to you've got to sell tickets. You've got to be a yeah. local interest. You've got to yeah. you've got to be a, a, a name if you like. Yeah. And I think moving over there, I think there's only one Scouse fighter that's moved to the US in in this generation and been able to make a success of it, and that's Craig Callahan. And I think Craig's yeah. very much like a he's a club level fighter anyway. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I, I think he's done really well. Don't Texas. get me wrong. I think, I think he moved out to Texas. I don't know whether it was to work or whether it was with a girl or what. I don't think he moved there necessarily to become a pro boxer. Yeah. I think he moved out there with his or to start a family or to whatever. But obviously, he's still an active pro now. He's, do, yeah. he's doing quite well yeah. out there. Yeah. I don't think he gets on big shows necessarily, but he's busy. You know, yeah. he fights three or four times a year. Yeah. And I think he's got a good record as well, Craig. He's got a solid record out there. But he's like the exception to the norm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like what he's yeah. done is like it's it's bonkers, really. But also, if, I think if a lot of people took that risk as well, there'd be a lot more success, wouldn't he? Because a, a lot of people won't um, take that risk. It's a it's a big risk to take. Isn't there it? you go. It's work for Luke Campbell. You know yeah. what I mean? But then, yeah. 
The thing with Luke Campbell is because he's got the gold medal. the got gold medals wrapped around his waist and everything else. He's got a big sign on feet. He's got the kind of finances yeah. behind him and, yeah. the, and the support of a promoter where he can afford to go and have a training camp in yeah, Miami. Of because he's still fighting in the UK. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's coming back here for his fights, yeah. but he's being based over there. Yeah. I think he turns it, up. To, he turns up at the gym in a Hummer, and I was I was walking around with this bag on my back, just looking, thinking, "What's going on?" Like Eminem, I was of eight mile, just a bin bag yeah. over your shoulder with your gear in. <laughs> I was thinking, like, say, yeah, hasn't you? And you, you're you're smashing it, but good, 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 good on him, yeah. Before we uh, before we close this part of the show, can I just ask, do you still do you still miss the uh, groin guard? Do you, do you wonder what happened to your groin guard that you threw away, or your egg guard? Sorry. Oh no, I've got, no, I went back to it. You went back and got it. The first thing, when my dad said I've got a house to stay in, the first thing is I always went back in the locker. That's <laughs> hilarious. First thing I done is went and got me head guard. Yeah. Went back for your head guard, I love it. Uh, you're listening to Nick Pete and I'm in studio with Jazza Dickens. This is Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. Please stick with us. The third part of the show is just around the corner. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Welcome back to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. I'm still joined in the studio by the one and only Mr. Jazza Dickens. We are winning back the British title this year before we move onwards and upwards again. Do you know what, Jazz? I'd like to see you finally get that European title fight, the one that you walked away from for the for obviously the fight with Rigondo. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, we talked about it before we come on the show tonight, but that that's a European title fight. It's definitely a winnable fight. That guy's not he's not the greatest champion, is he? No, he's not. Not at all. I would like that myself. But you have to get into an um Manchester position, don't you? I think British British title puts you in a good position. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, there's a, I think it's a French organisation, is it? It's French or Belgium yeah, yeah. or something Belgian, like that. Yeah, yeah. They so they look after their own fighters. So if there's anyone who's uh, coming through, just the same as you from their country, they get pulled into it. Yeah. It's like it's you know sort of thing. But no one about you get put well into. You got a British title. Well, the, the, you know one of the awards for for it, didn't he? Uh, obviously, you're, you've got the rematch with Tommy, but it was Martin Ward for for the European yep. back end of 2017. He was obviously stopped in the second round, but still, you know, th- that guy. I was quite surprised how flat he was on that performance. Yep. A former victim of yours, of course. You've got a you've got a win over Martin anyway. Yep. Um, you know, if you can retain this belt, surely that's got to be the target for the, for later in 2018. Yeah, it's it's natural progress, isn't it? I think I don't know the rules on keeping a British title. Well, you can keep the British close. when you win European. You can be British and European champion at the same time. Out, outright though, I've 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 got one one I've won it. I've yeah. defended it once. So you've got to defend it two more times. So it does that include another no. win? So, so you've got to win it back and then make two defenses. So you got to, to, have to win it five times to keep it. So you, no no. So you've just got to win. If you win the fight against the rematch with Ward, uh, yeah. with Tommy Ward, if, if indeed Tommy Ward. Uh, you know, if that fight happens, Pierce bids in February, you win it back. Then you got to make two defenses, and then in total you've had three defenses. You get to keep it then. Yeah, I three see. successful defenses. So it, it's one of them. As you said earlier in the show, looking back now, you took it a bit for granted. But that British title belt, mate. If you get to keep one of them yeah. forever, three, se- like put that on your wall. You've got that for life. Then it's always great to go. I was British champion, but to be able to go see that there. Yeah. That was because I made three successful defences. Yeah. I am British champion when you're 95 and still in your house, you're still a champ, aren't you? Absolutely, 100%. Uh, obviously, you, you tasted the, the world level against Rigondo, the best guy in the division. Um, if, in fact, before I ask you specifically about, about that fight, and uh, Rigondo, obviously the biggest fight last year, Rigondo versus Lomachenko, it finally happened. Uh, were you surprised by Rigondo's performance? No, because when everyone was asking me why you're taking the Rigondo fight... I seen in Rigondo that night 
the quitting him, what I always suspected that he did have because of the sulk on his face 24-7. I thought he, that's what type of fighter he is when it gets hard, when he doesn't like it. He hasn't had it open for a good good while, has he? For a good few years. So of course. That's what I thought when I took the fight. I said, no, I'm going to break his heart. And that's 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 where I was going with it. That's that was my mentality for the fight. And when he quit against them um, Lomachenko, I was just looking at the telly, emotional thinking. You're seeing now what I seen back then. Absolutely, yeah, that's how course. I seen it. You know, but it turns out the way it did when I fought him and and I fight him against tomorrow. Yeah. Um, in terms of Lomachenko, then fair play to him. By the way, yeah. he was brilliant. Where where do you rank him? I think he's pound do- for pound the best. You think he's the I best think, on the planet? Yeah, I think he's an unbelievable fighter. Did you see him when he boxed in Liverpool, 2008, the European Championships? No. At Green Bank? Did you go no. down and watch them then? No. I, I remember being... Uh, I, I was in, in school. I think I was still in school. 2008? Yeah, I was still in school. I think they... Um, Fowler, I remember Fowler sagging. Fowler was saying yeah. to go down and watch, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Tom Stalker was... Uh, I think Tom Stalker was in the in the England team uh, who entered the tournament. and um, He boxed the Cuban, didn't he? I think so, yeah, yeah. I think was it so. Kinderland? Mario? No, uh, no, it wasn't no, that Kinderland. Was Gavin, yeah, it? Yeah, Frankie yeah. Gavin. Frankie Gavin boxed Kinderland. Um, <clears throat> but I remember standing there in the middle of Greenbank Sports Centre and it was like four o'clock on a, or three o'clock on a Thursday afternoon. Yeah. There must have been, you know, 150 people in there. <laughs> and Lomachenko was like absolutely creaming someone in like the quarterfinals or the semifinals or whatever it was. And I remember he boxed. First round southpaw, second round orthodox, and in the third round he didn't throw a punch. He was that far ahead. He just yeah. he spent the whole round just dodging punches, just slipping shots. It was incredible. But I remember standing there, and there was <clears throat> I, I wouldn't have said Fowler. Definitely Stalker was definitely there, and there was a couple of others. I think Big Pricey was there as well, and I just, and there was a, a load of coaches from Liverpool there as well. I think Dave Tonks was there. I think there was there was like a gaggle of of, of Merseyside like yeah. boxing, if you like. And we were all they're all just standing there just watching this fella. Do something that, you know, when you just like it's like watching someone play a computer game that's clocked it, and you think, well, how is he doing that? Yeah, yeah. How is he? How is he moving like that? Even then, as an amateur in two thousand eight, watching him move, then you thought, wow. Did you know back then? Back then, I promise you. Back then, I remember writing an article for the Echo I was working for at the time, saying I've just seen something a bit special. Like that's the, that's the best I've ever seen, yeah. and that was pro or amateur. I've never seen anyone move like that. Never seen anyone do wow. that. But at the time, I didn't realize. I didn't. I didn't put two and two together. I kind of thought like, well, maybe it's the competition. Maybe he's just like brilliant, and it's yeah. it's this generation, the featherweight division, isn't that strong yeah. in the Europeans or whatever it was. I didn't kind of go. I didn't put two and two together and go, wow, what's he going to be like? Yeah, and, I, and back then as well, you didn't see many Eastern Europeans turn pro. Nope. Did you on the American scene? Exactly. Yeah. So to see what he's done now is just been like mesmerizing. And, and I think from his like his third, even when he lost his second fight, world title fight in the second, even then I was like. I don't care what anyone says. This yeah. kid's going to be amazing. He's yeah. going to be incredible. Yeah. And I thought, okay, you know, I think a lot of people say, yeah, but Rogondo's jumped up two weight divisions. I don't care. I don't care. How. Yeah. Rogondo was made himself out to be this untouchable counter boxer, this incredible Cuban, yeah. and he was absolutely embarrassed. And you're right, Lomachenko just put it on him, and he didn't like it. Yeah, didn't like it. Yeah, I think I think it was good that seeing that um, Lomachenko losing the second fight is good. It's a good message for boxers for young fighters as of well to see that. You can do that and look what he's doing now. Yeah, in terms of yourself, I know you're you're mentally strong anyway. You've got you you you're very much uh, you know you've got a strong faith as well, um, which which I know and I've spoken to you about previously, and I believe it with all fighters. I think any fighter, whether you're in mixed martial arts or boxing, with a strong faith, it gives you an added. It, it's kind of like an added bonus, I think, because 
you believe that no matter how hard you work, no matter what you put in, when you are faced with a loss, you believe it's somebody else's decision. Okay, I'm, I'm, this is what I, this is why I'm being tested. Yeah. I'm being given this loss to test where I am, yeah. test where my faith is. But I believe yeah. that there's greater things coming for me. And I think that's such a strong thing. A lot of Brazilian fighters have that. Such a strong thing to take into the ring. Yeah, I don't know if every fighter. I think I think everybody has their own thing. What they turn to, don't they? Maybe like. Um, some people count the stars and say my auntie's in that star because she died, blah, blah, blah. But I um, I would say having my faith, it, it gives me not just a lot of belief. And I say it, it puts me in a state of mind where I'm almost possessed mm. because I'm, I believe I've already, I shall be given what I've already asked for. As it says in the Bible, ask and I shall be given. And I do believe that when I ask for something, I already thank for it because why would I not? Why would I not thank for it if I if I already believe it? If I believe it that much, I'll be thanking for it before I've got it. So it puts me in a state of mind before I've even done something that I'm going to win. I'm going to win. I've already won. Thank you for this victory. That's how I'll play. I won't say, um, please... Can please, I win? Yeah. Can you help me win? <laughs> please help me. If I go down, just drag me yeah, back get up. Get me back up. But I say, um, thank you for this victory and keep me opponent safe. That's how, I, that's how I'll play. Yeah. So uh, it puts me in a state of mind where I'm so so focused. I'm focusing on on the end product, which is the win, rather than getting through every single little ca- cave what's in the way. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's not like you pray and ask for anything. You pray and you're thankful for I what thank- you're about to get. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I see, it and I thank for it, and that's everything. A lot of things in my life that, including my family, and that's things that I have asked for, and and things that are miracles, and things that wouldn't be done by me alone. That, yeah. That's how I know that they're not. It's not uh, to my own doing. That's why I thank God for these things because these things that I couldn't do by myself. Absolutely, yeah. And speaking about not doing it by yourself, obviously, let's come on to your new team now. Your your new setup. Obviously, you've got Denny Matthews in there. You've got you know himself a cracking southpaw in his day, and Joe McNally. Who I seen taking someone on pads the other day looks like an incredible pad man yeah. as well. Uh, but you know you've got two really strong elements there. But right in the middle of it all is George Vaughan. Who you know it's the old narrative forgotten more about boxing than a lot of coaches will ever know. What's it like working with George and someone with that much experience on a day to day basis? You know what's it like in a gym and you know it feels like if you're working what the element what I get the feeling is when you go in there and it's like. He just walks around dropping these little bombs. He just walks around, yeah. just two or three. He might only have a little thing to say to you, but what he says, yeah. it's like a little golden nugget of knowledge. Yeah, Georgie's in his seventies, and it, it, um, it makes me grateful, almost grateful, to be in his presence, to be getting his wisdom. And uh, I take it, I, I really appreciate it. I make the most of it every single day. I'm in there with him. I'm making the most of it and really enjoying being around him. And, and, and he's giving me time as well. He's giving me time in the gym, and that means a lot to me yeah. to get time off someone like Georgie Vaughan who probably been around the game you know 10 times and he more than anyone else so he's gonna like um it, it, time must be sure for him he probably says well i'm not working with him he's you know he's not gonna waste my time my time's precious because his time is precious and i make the most of it yeah. so every single day i'm trying to lay off george i'm trying to listen i don't want to upset him i want to make him proud absolutely in terms of Derry as well um you know we we've we've kind of grown up Jordan the Derry story, he's on to the next chapter now in, in terms of coaching, but his, his professional career, you know, for someone like yourself who is coming off two back-to-back losses, when you look in the corner and you look at Derry and where Derry's journey went, yeah. you know, there was a time in Derry's career where he lost three consecutively by knockout and he yeah. retired and then he came back again. Yeah. You know, if you can't be inspired by somebody like Derry with the career he's had, and you know what, people in this city and from this city have achieved bigger yeah. things and have fought for bigger titles, but 
very few boxers in the history of Merseyside boxing have been on the journey Denny Matthews has. And yeah. for that reason, yeah. and he hates it when I say it, but I, I put Denny Matthews right up there as one of the greatest boxers this city's ever produced yeah. because of the entire career journey he was on, the body work he put together, yeah. nothing but spectacular. And for you, that's got to be inspiring. Of course it is. His first part of his career, as he was young, he was the golden boy, weren't he? But I enjoyed the second part more. Like, like watching, knowing he watched Rocky One, that's, that's how I enjoyed the second part. I um, made my first my first fight was on Derry's pro de- debut. Just as I was transitioning from amateur to pro, I also followed Derry to his um, his comeback. Normally it was Oliver Harrison. Yeah. Did he fight? He fought in was it Mossai? Was it? He fought he, a couple there. Yeah, yeah. Small little shows, yeah. building himself back up, and and he helped me out a lot. He took he took me to a few little gyms with him, gave me a lot of advice, a lot of pointers on turning pro. And as I say, it made me my first fight, my pro debut on the undercard of Derry first, Scotty Lawton in the. Olympia, and then I've also fought for titles on his undercard since, and, and bigger venues, and to, just to see where where he'd been, and now where he was, coming towards the end of his career, fighting for the world title. Who just said that, Derry? After them team knockouts, who just said that he he would have done that? Oh, I don't think there's if someone anyone. said that you'd have la- laughed, you'd have laughed in yeah. the faces if he's gone. Oh, he'll fight for the world title. One he's going to be selling out Arenas, fighting for the world title. You you wouldn't have believed it. No. Just just to, to see him do that, it's not by accident. It, it's something that he's dragged himself up, honey. Drag himself up by, by the scruff of his own neck and, and went on to do that. So yeah, I, I admire him so much. On the track this morning, Daddy shouting, he, he warms up yet, and then he run around the circle. You warm up and then let you do the do the do the hard part. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we shouting, and I was thinking that's that's a nice it's a nice sound. Hearing Daddy Matthews shouting, come on, I'm gonna get familiar with that sound because when I'm fighting on fight night, I want to hear the same voice. It's it's great. I look up to Daddy, and um, I was from a kid. I used to watch him when I was like. Uh, maybe thirteen. He was on the seniors in the in the Sully, and I was one of the kids. I used to I used to do my training, and you get thrown out. Tony Chandler throw you out of the gym because he say, "Well, you still doing he used to, he used to show me Haven't you got a home to go to?" So <laughs> I used to sit there. I used to I used to do another circuit, so he'd let me stay in. So I'd be training. Mm-hmm. So the lads start shadow boxing by the time I'd finished my training. He used to be the first in, last out, just so I could watch the likes of Derry. And he was a great, great gang of lads. Then he was Nathan Brough, David Price, Lee Siner. Berkey was about then, Stephen. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a boss. It was Tony a boss Mulholland, here. Uh, David Mulholland and all that. Yeah, it was a yeah. cracking little. Uh... And I've come up, I've come up, but like, um, I've come come up watching all these fighters, and every now and again, I've, I like have drifted in and out of the same patterns, Terry, like being on the same shows and all that. But I've always admired them. Yeah. Sensational. In terms of uh, big fights, obviously, again, let's just reiterate, you're back out March the 2nd, Black Flash Promotions up at Bowlers in Manchester. That's a warm-up, hopefully, for this British title return with Ward, which pierce bids in February, pierce bids around uh, Valentine's Day. We'd like to see that probably late spring, do you think? Around May time, maybe? Yeah, if it, well, if it's May, I'd like, like April myself. Um, if it's May, I'll get another one in there before that. I just keep think, nice and busy, yeah, that's the goal this year. I don't think it can hurt me, I've been very inactive and need, need balance. Yeah, stay absolutely busy. Uh, other fights obviously announced this week before we finish the show, obviously I want to mention again, Amir Khan's big long-awaited comeback to UK shores happens here in this city, Saturday the 21st of April. Already confirmed for that undercard as well, Jazz Masha Dodd defending his belt against Tommy Coyle. That's a belt of a fight. Yeah, that's a great fight. Masha can come to anyone. The funny thing about Masha, he gets he gets matched up with people, and I think everyone he's ever been matched up with, certainly since he's become Commonwealth champion, takes them lightly. They all look at him and go, yeah. "Crap, this fella." He's the Cinderella man, isn't he? It's he, unbelievable. He, yeah, I, I I didn't think he'd be stalker, 
I think Stalker's a great fighter. If you train around Stalker, you've been around him as amateur, you know what he can do. Yeah. He's a, I think he's a um, technically I well I thought he was gonna be technically superior, yeah. I thought yeah, he boxed Masha's socks off. Me too, and yeah. He's just gotta love Masha for what he does. Masha's got this ability. Upset, and, and do you know what? It it'd be it'd be wrong to say he pulls people down to his level because that's that's wrong. What he does is he makes people fight his style of boxing. Yeah, and it's such a weird unorthodox yeah. style. I think we've given up on saying he pulls people down on me because absolutely because um, it's no fluke. He no. keeps doing it. He keeps doing it. Yeah. He's, he's getting his results by he's not he's not pulling people down. He's beating people down. Isn't he? Absolutely, yeah. What a story he's been on. And uh, finally, Callum Smith was confirmed this week as well. I just want to get your take on Callum having to travel. He's got to go to Nuremberg in Germany for his World Boxing Super Series semi-final with Jürgen Bremer. Is that a big a big setback, do you think, having to travel? Uh, probably yeah, a, bit of a, a few doubts there, isn't he? Because Paul went over there, didn't he? And Joe's probably he used to probably think the Germans are... Yeah. Well, he's took Macklin over there. He was robbed. Paul, obviously, the first fight with uh, Arthur Abram was terrible scoring. Then, obviously, went back the second time. Wasn't the same situation. But he hasn't got a great record out in gym. It's a tough place to go, though, isn't it? He hasn't yeah. get a result. It's probably um, back, back of the mind, but I don't think Callum cares about that. He's probably he's a, I think he's just got a very strong mentality. He's 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 he probably excited about the challenge to put that all right. Yeah, absolutely. Do you fancy Callum to win the tournament? Yes, definitely. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Hopefully, fingers crossed. We'll, uh, I definitely want to get Callum on Smith on this show, actually. We'll keep your ears out. We'll get him on one Tuesday night in the run-up to that fight with Jürgen Bremer. Uh, I'm Nick Pete. That was Jazza Dickens. This was The Fight Disciples. And you're listening to Radio City Talk. We'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.